Here's a message from Ken Lavica. One of the great things about sports is crapping all over the stars, and we saw it yesterday. Stone Lebanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yep. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. I don't know if yesterday was a changing of the guard. In Stone's preferred sport of tennis. But what I'll say is it was a reinforcement of just how many people despise the greatest tennis player that's ever lived. I think that is my main takeaway from yesterday because I failed to, other than myself, and we'll touch on this in a moment, I have a weird thing for Novak Djokovic. Like I, I, I root for, I'm a fan of, of Novak Djokovic, flaws and all, anti-vax, like nonsense, uh, says weird things, does weird things, standoffish, all of those things aside, I love the way the man plays tennis, and maybe it's because I was tired of the fawning over Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal for 15 years, maybe that's why I latched on to Novak, but I think I'm the only person I know that was legitimately upset that Novak Djokovic couldn't beat Carlos Alcaraz yesterday in the Wimbledon men's final. Sorry, the gentlemen's final. There you go. Um, yesterday on social media, yesterday in the seats center court at Wimbledon, it was on full display. The casual sports fan, it was on full display. People don't like Novak Djokovic. Djokovic won the first set 6-1, and it looked like because he always wins after he wins the first set, that's a done deal. Then in the second set, it goes to a tie break. Novak Djokovic never loses a tie break, and then, uh uh-oh, lost that tie break, and then the match was never the same. Then he was back in control in the fifth and decided instead of an overhand to try and whip around and hit a forehand after the ball was 30 feet in the air, put it into the net with a chance to go up two games to none in the fifth set. And Alcaraz rolled from there. Like just, uh, but but it, it was celebratory. It was people when when Djokovic got frustrated in the fifth set and smashed his racket against the umpire stand and uh, did some pouty Novak Djokovic things. I mean, it was an outright celebration on social media. People can't stand that guy. It's a strong word, but I think people hate that guy. And there's no doubt in my mind. I don't know Theo of another sport where the single greatest player in the history of that sport, and Stone, I know he's not the most popular, but if you're using the one basic metric, Grand Slam wins, he has more than anybody else in the history of tennis. Novak Djokovic is the best tennis player in the history of the sport. Theo, I don't know if there's another sport where the greatest player of all time is actually legitimately despised by people. Um, there, to that extent. To that extent, you're right. I was about to say there's a there's a good, hefty part of the population that hates Serena Williams on the other side with tennis. Um, maybe uh, not with the same vigor. No, I, I definitely don't think reasons. with the same vigor for different reasons. No. But no, there's you're right. It's not the same. But there there has been a lot, especially sure. when she's had her you know that 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 
her meltdown at the, the U.S. Open. Yeah, the U.S. Open with yeah. the official and everything. There's yeah. a lot of people that line up at any point to attack at her. So, but I don't know. In any other sport, I think of the greats, you usually respect the greats. I mean, yeah. maybe, you know, Tiger Woods had his so, little moment. I, like, the thing, you and I, we were fueled by pettiness. Yeah. Like, that's, that's one of uh, the prerequisites to us watching sports is that – and I guess this is me growing up, and I'm old enough to still be tribal about my sports. I have my teams. I'm not a big individual athlete fawner like Stone is, but I think that's generational. We give Stone a lot of crap for it, but that's generational. I'm still of an age where I've got my teams, and I follow my teams, and I root for my teams. And if a star's on another team, I can't stand that star. But even I have had to acknowledge, while he's been annoying in my sports life, Tom Brady, that dude is, is the best. He's the best, he, and I can acknowledge that. But I do think there are some athletes where no matter what, you sit there and you say, I don't like that guy. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, whether it's it makes sense, whether it is borderline offensive, ignorant, you just there are athletes that, you and hopefully it's not those latter two, but I think there's a lot of instances where it's that latter two. We're talking about Serena. Um, I, I think that that is one of the sports fan things, is that there are stars, legends, that you just don't. Like, like, let's like listen to the Wimbledon crowd on ESPN yesterday. This Wimbledon crowd final point. If this was Djokovic who won Wimbledon, it would have been a standing ovation, but it would have been just sort of an acknowledgement. Oh, there's the champion. This was an unleashing of of glee, of celebration and exaltation. Unlike anything we've seen since the last time Roger Federer won Wimbledon, which was damn near a decade ago, uh, this is Carlos Alcaraz winning his first Grand Slam. Second. Djokovic is deposed as a new king of Singapore. Carlos Alcaraz of Spain. 6-6-4. So, I mean, that's just a wall of sound. Just a wall of celebration. And it, to me, it's, yes, Carlos Alcaraz is wildly popular. He's very young. How old is he? He's 20. 20. 20 years old. Very Two-time Grand Slam winner, Carlos Alcaraz, okay? So, it's that, but it's also the, he slayed Novak Djokovic. And it's, he slayed a guy who turns off a lot of people with his behavior and some of his beliefs and, of course, the anti-vax stance that he's taken since the start of COVID. Um, Novak Djokovic is just unliked. And that reaction is partly that as well. That is sustained. He is unliked. And we talked about it last week, Stone. I think the thing with Djokovic is that he came up as sort of a bratty youngster up against the elegance of Roger Federer and the passion of Rafael Nadal. And there wasn't enough room in people's collective fandom when it comes to tennis to embrace someone who was a bit immature at times in Novak Djokovic. And though his behavior is no different, I don't think, from any other star now in tennis, in terms of his frustrations, getting angry. Like oh, yeah. Even Nick Kyrgios, who's the ultimate... Is this guy potentially going to murder someone at some point, Nick Kyrgios? He faced Djokovic in the final at Wimbledon last year. It was very pro-Kyrgios at Wimbledon last year. So this is just like, uh, we don't like Novak. 
Uh, he's going to pay for previous sins, and that's how his entire career has gone. Yeah, I think it's the same thing we see in a lot of the sports, right? You, uh, the the mortal man hates the immortal, and it's what we did with Tom Brady. Like we went through these spurts of just he's so damn good that we can't get on board with this, and that's what Novak is doing for a perspective exercise. Thirty-six years old. What is a uh, good old Roger Federer doing? He is barely walking. Mm-hmm. He is now a charity when he comes around. Rafael Nadal, surgery after surgery after surgery. What is Novak Djokovic doing at 36? The unthinkable. Yeah. Like he's still hanging around still with dominating. kids who are 20 and 23 and 24. So when somebody's doing the unthinkable, like you just can't get behind it because you can't live that life. You can't experience these things. And I think that's part of it as well. But the, Mackin brother, the McEnroe brothers talked about it yesterday. He has never said the wrong thing after a loss post-match no, like he's, he's always as classy given, as they come as classy as they come so these people are are looking for something and yeah. i think when you finally get the racket smashed you then get to point at your tv right. like, that's exactly it there what it is right baby. there and and same thing with tom brady smashes his tablet there he is can't control his emotions like you're always looking for one or two things and you're going to get them from these guys i think we can agree that when you can't stand a great athlete a lot of times as sports fans it's irrational right yeah. It's irrational. Sometimes it's, it's yeah. painted green with jealousy. Yeah, sometimes. Right. And, right. And also, sports is like a zero-sum game. Like, there's there's not like eight teams can win a championship every year. There's not like, you know, there's only so many grand slams every year. Yeah. So if you're rooting for a guy and that guy loses to another guy time after time after time, it, you develop a little bit of hate. Like, I... I have a, and I did have a great disdain for Paul Pierce, but I feel like that's warranted. Oh, yeah. From just like a, a, a personality perspective. I mean, he's showing it more and more yeah. as he continues to open his mouth right. on, uh, on various right, platforms. Right. Paul Pierce just sucks. <laughs> he just sucks all the way around. I was right not liking him as a player, and now I'm more right now that he's not playing any longer. But I had, as a kid, and I still to this day am not sure I've had this amount of dislike for a player. I mean, I've gone through my Brady spurts, and I've gone through all of that. But growing up a young Chicago Bulls fan, and I was in a weird spot because the Bulls were the team. They were dominant with the guy, with the preeminent star, not only in basketball, but all of sports. So I grew up, I'll always be fortunate and feel fortunate that I was in the prime of my kids' sports fandom as a young Chicago kid at the height of the Bulls' powers. Uh, It's awesome. And it really set me up for an unrealistic approach to being a sports fan later in life because I had it good. I had it real good, and I had it good for an entire time that I could remember when you're from the ages of like 5 to 13, 14, I fully believe you are in your absolute apex as a sports fan where it can bring you to the highest of highs and then bring you to the tears unless you're an unadjusted weirdo and you're still doing those same things at 52 years (laughs) old, okay? But I could not stand the Knicks, but I especially couldn't stand Patrick Ewing. And I would put John Starks in this list if if he was a sports great not a sports great. Mm. Known? Sure. Maybe a Knicks great? Sure. But this is about sports greats, and John Starks does not qualify because, man, did I hate that dude. Boy, did I hate that guy. But Patrick Ewing being the face of a team that I truly felt was was killing basketball, um, I was a little too young to have a full appreciation to hate Isaiah Thomas. Because if I was just a couple, of, if I was born a couple of years prior to that, mm. with the Pistons hurting MJ and hurting Scottie Pippen and Isaiah Thomas being the face of that collection, forget the Knicks. Like the Pistons were everything that was wrong with '80s basketball and early '90s basketball. Mm-hmm. Just an abomination of basketball there, uh, the Detroit Pistons. 
that wasn't basketball. That was that was gladiator nonsense. The 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 next best thing to that type of nonsense was the brand of basketball played by the early '90s and mid '90s Knicks. And Patrick Ewing was the face of that, and I could not stand him. Could not stand him. Big, bulky, powerful, was really good against the Bulls, especially in the postseason. I couldn't stand a massive dislike for Patrick Ewing, and it goes back to being a Bulls fan and the Knicks throwing elbows and being tough guys and Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley and John Starks, but none of those guys were great. So all of that fell on the shoulders of the best player on those Knicks teams, Patrick Ewing. Massive dislike. To this day, I've met him, actually, and I told him. I didn't like you when I was a kid. I met him because this is where you meet all athletes at the Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson <laughs> International Airport. Course, yeah. That's where you always meet athletes. I met him there. Um, but but as an athlete, uh-uh. Nope. Didn't yeah. want anything to do with him. Here's my question about Ewing. Because I feel like it's funny when um, when people talk about Patrick Ewing. It's uh, He's kind of lost in that sea of players that are ringless but great. Because he's not as good as Charles Barkley, right? But he also is better than guys like a maybe a, a John Stockton or something. So his name gets floated around. He was a New York Nick, but just... I think you could at least put him in the discussion with, with Charles Barkley? Barkley. That's what I was going to ask. How Barkley good, won an MVP. Yeah, but. yeah. How good was Ewing? Because then there was also that 1999 year where Ewing was gone and Nick still prevailed without him. And, and as you as but a But then Ewing he was hater, there in the playoffs. Right, but you as a Ewing hater, like how, right. how do you even digest all of that? Are you rooting for the Knicks then? No, not at all. I was very, very pro Spurs in that <laughs> series. I was very and, – and I would argue that Patrick Ewing came uh, closer to a title because he was in two finals than Charles Barkley did. Hmm. I mean, Charles Barkley was in one Barkley. single finals with with uh, with Phoenix. Sons, yeah. So, Theo, yeah, we have to gauge the him being irrational, like he said when you when you hate a player. When you're asking him how good Ewing is, like yeah. we have to take it lightly. We don't we don't know where I, he's going to go. Quite yeah, Patrick, sure. no, because Patrick Ewing's better than David Robinson. I'm trying to think of centers of the era. Okay, so um, better than David Robinson, maybe under Charles Barkley. Maybe, but maybe, but I feel like they're they're very they're close. close. Okay, I think they're very very close. What other like transcendent bigs? Carl Malone. Carl Malone's better. Carl Malone's not necessarily a five, isn't he? More a four. He's more of a four, but I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like, right, so you say, so we're limiting it to centers. Because, yeah, you know, we're talking, we're talking Bartley traditional was a four. centers. Bartley was a four, so because Carl Malone was also not a traditional four. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of. He was one of the first true like big uh, could play out on the wing. Yeah, guy. Yeah, I, maybe not. Maybe not at the perimeter, but on the wing. I feel it feel all right, Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Dirk or, was or better Patrick than Patrick Ewing. Ewing. Okay. But I also feel like that's starting to seep in a different era. Right. Right? Like that's it's starting a lot to seep in a different guy. I, I I think you could argue in the in the early nineties, uh the mid nineties, Patrick Ewing was the best center in basketball. Yeah. And there's Hakeem. Hakeem was just such a different player. It's hard to. Yeah, well, Hakeem, he's on Hakeem, a different level. Hakeem was better than Patrick Ewing. Yeah, of course. That's Hakeem not even, was better yeah. than Patrick yeah, yeah, Ewing. Yeah, he's on okay. a different level. So you can make the argument. Not sure that you can make the ultimate argument to a point where someone would say, yeah, Patrick Ewing was better than Hakeem Olajuwon. But he had a run once Hakeem was done where it was him or David Robinson. And you're saying Patrick Ewing was, was definitively better than David better Robinson. Than David yes. Robinson. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. And then that's when I, Shaq fully entered the league that. as well. Right, right. And then, and then you start, if you think that Shaq was truly the last the last true big man in basketball, yeah. then that conversation ends right there. Exactly. Okay. Uh, what is a sports great? Who is a sports great? 
you consistently rooted against out of sheer dislike. Like, there's that person beating your team a lot, and you have dislike for that person, but, like, sheer dislike. Like, it goes past. It's just, I can't stand this guy. Uh, he beats my team, but it's also his mannerisms. It's also who he surrounds himself with. I, I don't know, maybe Patrick Ewing more spoiled himself to me because he was always running with Starks and always running with Mason and always running uh, with with uh, the, the goons of the Pretty early well. 90s, mid-90s yeah. New York Knicks. I just couldn't stand them. But Patrick Ewing, it went past him, the player, and went into realms of he was my he was one of my first true childhood sports hates was Patrick Ewing. Who's a sports great you consistently rooted against out of sheer dislike? As we saw it on full display yesterday in the tennis world, and even with casuals with Novak Djokovic, who's the greatest player in the history of the sport. And I think there's so much dislike for Djokovic that people would openly fight me to have that discussion about whether or not Djokovic is the greatest in the sport. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Twitter's open, at KLV1063. 888-760-3776. That's 888-760-3776. Now, I'm curious, because you and I are on the same petty wavelength. I don't think, well, maybe I am. I don't think I'm as petty as Theo. Theo is sneaky petty yeah. in, a, in a multitude of ways. I can't even begin to know, though, where your head goes with something like this. Well, well, for me, it's um, in the era that I grew up in. You talked about how you grew up in the prime of, of Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and you were in Chicago and you mm-hmm. got to witness his greatness from close up. Yep. Um, I witnessed maybe the greatest loser of all time in the NFL, not from close up, from afar, but just in that era that I grew up in, there's no player I can think of that I hated on more and was rewarded for more than the sheriff. Peyton Manning, the greatest loser of all time of the great quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, How dare Peyton you. Manning. How do you feel about this Colts. quarterback, Stone Lebanowitz? I, I don't know. It's uh, rumbling my stomach a little bit. I think it's against the law <laughs> to to go after Peyton Manning. So yeah. wait, what? What? All right. Let wait, me ask you this. From what perspective? Because you, you, you were born in Kansas, yeah. grew up in Houston. Yeah. You were a Panthers fan. Now you're a Chiefs fan. What realm of your fandom are we coming at here when it comes to your hatred of Peyton Manning? It was the longevity of his career. Like for for every moment that I've watched, because here's the thing, I'm a I'm huge on guys who 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 shine bright when the lights are the brightest. I'm huge on guys who make moments happen um, when we're all watching. And growing up, every time I turned on my TV around that time of the year in football where you win or go home, January, I see Peyton Manning. Up on the biggest stage and always going out with his head uh, deep in his hands. Now, I'm not saying Peyton Manning wasn't great. 2016. I'm not, I know. I was against the Panthers. That's another part of this Mm because I was a Panthers fan back when Mm -hmm. he kind of went off into the the horizon, the sunset with his championship. Glory. And he was terrible that year also. Um, But Peyton Manning, (laughs) let's let's not forget, he has the most playoff losses all time of any quarterback, right? He almost has a losing record in the playoffs. You can only have the most playoff losses unless you're in the playoffs a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, you can make the playoffs every year and get bounced. I'm not sure if that's a successful. I mean, I I know you're a big Aaron Rodgers guy, Stone. So maybe you do have. Aaron Rodgers would qualify for that discussion. He's in there. Matter of fact, a couple more years with the Jets, he might get, he might (laughs) pass up Peyton Manning. (laughs) But no, but also, obviously, like, there were other things. Like, I feel like at that time in the NFL, there was Manning, Brady, Rivers, right? There's Breeze. You kind of had to pick one to cheer for a little bit, pick one to hate against. And Peyton Manning kept 
falling short. And I keep hearing all these excuses for him, and then I look at the roster, and I'm like, okay, we got Marvin Harrison over here, Hall of Famer. We got Reggie Wayne over here, Hall of Famer, borderline at least. Dallas Clark, your tight end, elite tight end. And this you, dude keeps losing in the postseason. You turn around, look in the backfield, Hall of Fame running back, mm-hmm. Edron James. Mm-hmm. You're surrounded by Hall of Famers. You go to the sideline, the guy with the headset on, another Hall of Famer in Tony Dungy. On the defense, you got Robert Mathis, Dwight Freeney, Bob Sanders. But you keep losing, and he keeps getting the pass. I, I was always so perplexed at how many passes Peyton Manning would get from, from all of these fans that support him. And as a Peyton Manning hater, I was rewarded dearly. Man, this is – see, and this is the level of pettiness <laughs> that Theo contains because it's it's not like me where Patrick Ewing and those Knicks teams are beating up Scotty and beating up MJ – and 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 grinding games into a rugby match, and uh, th- there was a direct a direct effect on my favorite team as a youngster, right? Theo, Theo has a massive had a massive dislike for Peyton Manning, and it didn't even directly affect any of his teams or anybody he followed. He just was sick of people talking up Peyton Manning, and then basked. In the playoff losing of Peyton Manning. That's next level troll stuff right there. You know how fun it was when the Seahawks and the Broncos met in the Super Bowl and everybody's talking about, oh, it's one of the greatest offenses of all time. Peyton Manning threw for 50 touchdowns. This is going to be a big show. Best offense. It even extended to post-neck injury that could have ended his career. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And here goes Peyton Manning, the sheriff. The gunslinger, Omaha, <laughs> Omaha. Oh, man. Ain't enough Omahas in the world, baby. What was it like, fifty to twelve or it something was, like that? It was, uh, it was. It was incredible. Yeah. What? What was the? What could was you check score? the final the of that? Uh, the the lone MetLife Stadium Super Bowl, uh, featuring the Seahawks and the Broncos. It was like fifty. I think they dropped fifty on them. Boys. Well, remember that game started with a safety. Yeah. It went over Peyton Manning's head. Yeah. I can just. Theo cackling oh, man. as that took place. The Seahawks defeated the Broncos 43-8. to oh. That is uh, that game, by the way, and there have been some boring Super Bowls, like Giants-Ravens comes to mind, yeah. uh, Tampa Bay and Oakland comes to mind in 2002. That Brady-Nick Foles Super Bowl was pretty weak. That one was really bad, yeah. but at least it was, you can say it was, close, it was close, right? It was close. Um, uh, Jared Goff. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 yeah, Jared Goff. I said Nick Foles. The white Brady Goff. I, I get it. The Brady right. Goff. One, yeah. uh, sketchy white yeah. quarterback. Um, <laughs> that that game, Broncos and Seahawks. Yeah, is maybe the most boring Super Bowl of the last 20 years. I enjoyed every second of it. it I was I was cheering. I was in the end of my chair as if the game was close. Every interception, every bad throw, every duck that came off his arm. Because remember, that's when Richard Sherman was calling him out before the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. And then to do that to him, I mean, that was, uh, oh, my goodness. I think it's even riskier to go after Peyton Manning in today's era because he's so beloved. He's so good on television. He's media yeah. darling. No, right. And I'll say this. I'll say this. Um, I, I Just like you reconciled with Patrick Ewing in the uh-huh. airport, I reconciled <laughs> with Peyton Manning at the Orange Bowl last year. Um, That's right. It was, it was Tennessee and, and uh, Clemson. Mm-hmm. And I was hosting the Orange Bowl Fan Fest. Oh, that's right. So I was doing the tailgate. I'm up on stage doing my thing, doing my thing. The DJ, DJ Stryker, calls me down. He's like, hey, you need an interview or whatever. I walk down to the bottom of the stage, and it's Peyton freaking Manning. Oh, that's cool. And his publicist. And I'll I'll rock with him for this forever because I didn't know I was going to interview Peyton Manning. 
Peyton Manning didn't know he was going to be doing an interview. And he just did it. And I walked up to him and said, hey, I didn't know we were doing this. He said, me neither. I said, hey, what do you want to do? He said, let's go improvise. So we went up on stage, and we improvised, and it went well. So much love to Peyton Manning now. But I'm just saying, in his sports heyday, wow. I hated now, the guy. Now, let me, let me, it, it, mm-hmm. it's Joking. truly, yeah. I hated yeah, yeah. him. So you had that forum with Peyton Manning. Did it? Did it ever come out of your mouth? Mm-mm. Anything? Did you have the guts <laughs> to convey to Peyton Manning? Stone knew exactly where my uh, head was at here about how you felt about Peyton Manning, the active player. So here's the thing: I I didn't have the chance to. I'm oh. not. I didn't have the chance. You had an entire was, microphone and an audience and yeah. an audience. <laughs> yeah, an audience full of Tennessee Vols fans. I'm not sure if that was going to go over well when I got the, the greatest booze. quarterback of all mm-hmm. time up there for them. And I'm and I'm interviewing him, and I was also more so like, okay, if I was prepped for this, if I knew it was going to happen, uh, I might have said something. But because we had to make it work on the fly, me and Peyton Manning, two media professionals, two media professionals, no, I'm not a chicken, stone, I'm a professional, and I had to make it work on the fly. And you know what? I called an audible, like he would have. Uh huh. He called an Omaha. I called an Omaha, like he would have. And me and Peyton both put our differences aside. And yeah. we I'm sure Peyton Manning had a lot of differences <laughs> with you. Uh, who's a sports great you consistently rooted against out of sheer dislike? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweet at us at KLV1063. 888-760-3776 in Palm Beach Garden. Sergio kicks us off on the phones on Ken LeVick Alive. Hey, Sergio. What's going on, guys? I got two for you. Okay. Uh... The, all of the uh, 1990s uh, Dallas Cowboys. Okay, all, all of them. them. <laughs> all of them. Every all single of them. member of those Every teams. single one of them. <laughs> Not a big uh, guy. <laughs> I was a really big Bills fan, and uh, they crushed us. Oh, my plenty, condolences. Plenty of yes. And as a kid, I, I grew up, I'm, I'm, I was born in 82, so it was like in the heyday. Oh, um, so you you suffered those four straight losses uh, on the back end of your oh, peak yeah. of sports fandom. I, that, that's, yeah. that has traumatic effects for you as an adult, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. And then uh, I grew up really, really liking Andre Agassi, so I hated Pete Sampras. Oh, that's a good one. That's a great one. That's a really good one. Sergio, let me ask you. I know you're a soccer guy. Did you go down to the uh, the messy rain parade last night? Dude, get out of, get out of here, man. I'm not going to go to that madness. That's, uh, that's nuts, man. That's nuts. If you guys ever get tickets and want to, you okay, know, got it. Send, a, got it. send a fan guy, right. yeah, I'll go uh, with you Stone, any day of the week. Stone, write that down. Write right. that down. All right, uh, no, Sergio, appreci- day of the week. appreciate I- you, Sergio. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll get to that because that thing I heard was an absolute train wreck last, last night in Fort Lauderdale. I like the Agassi Sampras one. It's so weird. I still remember uh, vividly a time in tennis when Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras were the two most recognizable tennis stars in the world. Like, Pete Sampras was unbeatable. Mm. Unbeatable. And then Andre Agassi sort of had this career reinvention where he started winning again late in his career. He won an Australian Open. He won a U.S. Open. I remember that being a big deal. And then those were the last true vivid moments of my tennis watching life before Federer and then Nadal and then Djokovic. And that's all that a lot of people, even like Stone, like Stone's most of his life has been dominated yeah. by Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. Yeah, the big three. Uh, it's crazy. You don't you don't know the Agassi era. You don't know the Sampras era. Like that was that was my childhood. I had the back end of McEnroe and Connors wow. into Sampras 
and Agassi. I remember Agassi being the huge deal with the hair and the Nokia commercials and all that stuff. Uh, and Brooke Shields, he was was dating or married to her. I can't remember which one. And then Stone only knows, boy, am I dating myself. Yeah. Stone only knows the big three. Yeah, and I think it, what's funny about Sergio's call there is it, there are parallels between Sampras and Novak Djokovic, right? Like you have this beloved player that you like in Andre Agassi, and here comes the guy with the antics, the uber amount of confidence who just continues to win and win and win it with somebody that you well, now put Sampras on Well, Sampras was boring, though. Agassi had flair, and Agassi was different because he was like Hollywood. And I think Agassi was Hollywood. Novak Djokovic is not Hollywood. That's Uh-oh. that's the similarity. You talk about Sampras being boring. Like Novak is the machine. He is just the buzzsaw where he's going to come and slay all of your favorite players, and he continues to do so. So there are the parallels. Now, in the spot I like think that. the parallel is more not in style of play, but in terms of personality. Djokovic and John McEnroe are very similar, <laughs> though Novak is not nearly as explosive. Yeah. But there's also a little Jimmy Connors red ass in Novak Djokovic, too. Of course. That mm. is, it, it, compared to the, the like, Roger Federer is this piece of silk, right? You rub oh, him against yeah. your skin and you're like, he's so, it's so graceful and so comfortable. And then um, uh, Rafael Nadal is your wife's exotic like trainer. <laughs> right, like she's like, ooh, that's something different, a little spicy, nice. a little flavor, right? Uh, and and then Novak Djokovic is like the Eastern European drill instructor. You know, uh, it's just he's not cuddly like the other two would be, mm. or attractive like the other two would be. I suppose, yes, your analogy or comparison has some legs, but I'd more put Novak Djokovic as a combination between McEnroe and Connors, beloved for different reasons, but also we've never seen an era like this in tennis. Um. Who's a sports great you consistently rooted against out of sheer dislike? I mean, Theo's is the peak of petty. Mm. I mean, that is, he did not even hurt Theo's feelings for beating his teams. Theo, from afar, sat and watched with great glee mm. as Peyton Manning failed in the postseason over and over again. I, I, my, my hatred for Patrick Ewing, my dislike for Patrick Ewing, it burned brightly as a youngster growing up in Chicago with that Bulls-Knicks rivalry. Who's a sports great you consistently rooted against out of sheer dislike? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. That's 888-760-3776. Twitter, at KLV1063. we got a ton of social media. We'll get to that and your calls when we return. Starting off your work week, he's Theodore CWP TV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN1063. <laughs> From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. As a young Chicagoan, yours truly, Ken LaVica. Take, take a guess. If Patrick Ewan was my number one, just take a guess. Again, young Chicagoan, fan of all the Chicago teams. As a young child, a young, bushy-haired, big-eared Ken LaVica. Take a guess, either one of you here, who my number two would be. Close number two. Clad Ricks. No, because Michael Jordan owned him. <laughs> B.J. Armstrong. Oh, he's... <laughs> Other than hitting that shot for Charlotte in the playoffs in uh, 96. Oh, I know. Brett Favre. Thank you. Yeah. You know what? Brett Favre's <laughs> in my top five. He's in my top. Something about him just makes me feel like he would steal millions of, from, you know, the less fortunate. I don't know. 
Am I am I close here? Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay, oh, there we go. It allegedly. is allegedly. I said allegedly. something about him just makes me feel that way. I don't know. Allegedly. And then he'd realize, I don't have a case here. And he'd uh, and he'd pull out. Um, <laughs> by the way. Come on. I'm seeing, I'm seeing on the Paul Feinbaum show. Uh, uh, Paul Feinbaum's on first take on ESPN. The cryon reads as such. Is Nick Saban's legacy on the line this season? <laughs> but under it, but uh, it gets worse because under it, it says Alabama missed college football playoff last season, finished with two regular season losses. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? You can tell that oh, wow. A, it's SEC media days, and you can tell B, that it's July 17th. Why? What are we doing? They've also got nothing, nothing to what talk are we, about. It's the SEC. Constantly. It just means more. And that, that. Is going to be a day one SEC media day question on the worldwide leader is Nick Saban's legacy on the line this season. Short of becoming a serial killer committing mass murder, there is nothing that is going to affect the legacy of Nick Saban for the entirety of his coaching existence. Why? What do you think that text exchange was? Come on, guys. As far as prepping for that show? Yeah, like... Was Paul Feinbaum like they were like, "Hey, Paul, what you got? What can you give us no, uh, today?" There's no way he came up with that. He's too good for that. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not saying he came up with it, but he maybe was like, uh, "You know, this could be the year that Auburn shocks some people." They're like, "Ah, that's not going to work." This is first take. What and else do, you got, Paul? Do we have to do this? I, I feel like this is just solely so there can be like content and audio clips that yeah. they can share for tomorrow's shows, right? To make Paul Feinbaum talk about that, because other than that, it's a waste of his time. I guess the take is, you know, this is the first time Nick Saban's gone into a season without a highly touted quarterback. Like, what does that mean? Is he losing his grip on recruiting? Like, I don't know uh, where you take it. Don't feed it. Don't feed it. Don't feed it. You're, you're trying to actually, you're trying you're trying yes. to do your Stone Labanowitz thing because uh, he is so uh, eager, eager to talk college football and to get off a Nick Saban take. Like, Stone's just playing right into it. I he, know. He asked what the take was. I'm saying that this is, it, it, you know how it works. Like, they need something to put on that ticker to make people react and what it happened. Theo, go ahead and tell me who Alabama's starting quarterback is this year. Yeah, it's, of course it's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. He has that... Woo! Jack Knuckleson. Knuckleson, yeah. That's what they call it. That's his nickname because he's... Yeah, it is. He's got that... Uh, he's really good at Knuck- golf as well. Knuckle sandwiches. <laughs> but this is right in line with, with uh, all of these Georgia guys who said last year that, oh, we got picked to, we got picked to finish 500 or whatever that was. No, you didn't. Nobody said that. Yeah. Uh, people are sleeping on us. No, nobody. Nobody is. Nobody did. Not a single person did. Uh, is Nick Saban's... This is ESPN. Is Nick Saban's legacy on the line this season? You know what? I'm going to come up. Before the end of the show, we're going to come up with an equally as ridiculous angle. And we're going to present it to you, the listener. Want to know why? Because we're for the people. Are you experiencing foot and ankle pain? Need to see an expert in the field? Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash ortho to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leading-edge treatments, and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash ortho. For more information today, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash ortho. Oh, and then we're going from that to the Madden wide receiver rating release on first take. Again, it's July 17th. Jalen Milrow 
or Ty Simpson? Nick Saban hasn't decided. Either so. one's going to be a finalist for the Heisman <laughs> Trophy by the end of the season. Okay? It doesn't matter. So stop. Who's a sports great you consistently rooted against out of sheer dislike? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. Mine is Patrick Ewing. Uh, Theo's is Peyton Manning. This after the exaltation that occurred with Novak Djokovic, the greatest player in the history of the sport, it being widely celebrated that he lost yesterday to Carlos Alcaraz in the Wimbledon final. Ernie in Boynton is on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, Ernesto? Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, wow, Patrick Ewing, huh? I never figured that <laughs> one. Um, I can say the same on my end. Uh, when I was young and, you know, being a fan of basketball, the Knicks, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Jordan, number Jordan. one. Yep. Yeah, I had him number one. And then after that was Reggie Miller. And then after that, uh, that's pretty much it in basketball. In tennis, believe it or not, back then, I had to disdain until his final run when he was retiring, believe it or not, Jimmy Connors. I had a disdain for Jimmy Connors for some reason. I think it's and, fun. Uh, it's fun to hear, uh, you know, the old heads like ourselves, Ernie. Uh, we, we do right, have... Right a tennis base like there is a tennis knowledge because the United States America used to dominate tennis both men's and women's side and so there was a legitimate following if you grew up in the 70s and 80s and even early 90s like tennis was a normal thing that you paid attention to and uh, I suppose this is the greatest era of tennis with the big three but it doesn't feel the same as an American tennis fan as it did when we were kids when we were kids, correct, because we had all we had we had Agassi, we had Jimmy Connors was still playing, McEnroe, and McEnroe yeah. still at his end. Yeah, I mean, then you have Ivan Lendl, you had uh, Boris Becker, right. you, know, you had you, you name them all. We had a we had a good slew of you know young talent across the board back then. I mean, now, I mean, I have to I have to say that in football, I have a number one, and I'm sorry, Teddy, but it has no. to be your man. No, because, no, I mean, I'm. Let me say, let me restructure it because I don't call it hate. I just call it, I love what the guy is doing. Just he's doing it so well. He's just, you know, the system is is working. He's got put in the wrong, the right system. He's got the right coach. And they're knowing what what to do. Even when they, you know, they lost Tyree Kill last year, they read up and they, he did it without him. And I, I'm not going to say I hate him, but I admire what he's doing. I I call it admire, not hate. Let's, let's. In my in my realm, he's I annoyingly have to good. Admire. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Chase Daniel is yeah, a, he's extru- in a, just annoyingly yeah. proficient. And appreciate the call, Ernie. Yeah, I didn't know people hated Chase Daniel like that. So that's fine. There's no way he's talking about Patrick Mahomes, right? There's no way because you can't hate that guy. It is tough to hate him. I suppose. Yeah. What is there other than his voice? His voice is is it's comical. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on. It's comical, man. Uh, it, I, but I almost feel like it's comical because you would just never expect it, especially knowing his father. Yeah. Never listening to his father talk Man. that he would talk like that. And his father's so smooth and stuff. Like It's kind of crazy oh, yeah. how it's like, it's like, man, you ain't let any of that rub off. Like Because Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> even when he tries to like lean into a villain character 
or tries to be smooth, you can still feel a big taste of corniness with it. Like, yeah, yeah he's corny. Like, yeah. He's corny. He's just he's he's just kind of corny. He's he's pretty corny. But you know, he's really good at football, and yeah. I think he also doesn't try to. He's not like Russell Wilson. But yeah, that's corny. the thing. Patrick Mahomes doesn't act corny. Yeah, it's just his general like demeanor. Whereas Russell Wilson acts corny. Yes, exactly. So it's not it's not like he's faking a persona. He just isn't really that cool he's of a dude. He's just kind of a, a, a nerd. Yeah, he's not a cool like, dude. Even in, have you, catch up on his state? have you watched the, yeah, see, and that's unforgivable. Yeah. Uh, the the Netflix documentary, Quarterbacks, have, have you watched any I've of been, it? I've been holding off. I've been waiting. I was okay. out of town, so. Well, Stone, Stone, uh, I mean, I'm sure he just banged through that immediately. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't. Uh, wow. Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota, and you couldn't, like, <laughs> press play? I need to get my girlfriend ready on it as well, because yeah. I do want to to bang, bang it out. Uh, that's a weird sequence there. Wow. I, I, I want to sit down and be able to, to watch oh, hold the... Hold on, hold on. Yeah. I, I, I a little double task. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix sit, and chill. I want to sit down and watch the entire thing. Yeah. So I had, I've had chances to start it, but I knew it wasn't going to get finished and it wasn't in the right thing. So I'm waiting. I'm so excited, though. I've heard yeah. a lot of good things. The reason I bring that up is uh, the the injury he suffered against the Jags last year. Remember that pushed him out of the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had that heavy limp. Uh, he's mic'd up for the discussion he has with the trainer and then Andy Reid and then Eric Bieniemy about uh, missing the final series of the half to go in and get an x-ray. And Mahomes is vehemently opposed to it on the sideline. And it's funny, though, because it's everything that a football fan would love about a grinder, a, a star who is not going to be denied. Like Mahomes is sitting there telling him, I'll do it at halftime. I'll get the x-ray at halftime. I'm fine. I'm going in. And Andy Reid's trying to calmly talk him down. And it gives you a great insight into how difficult sometimes the job is for these trainers. Uh, everybody who says, oh, the NFL doesn't care about its players. But when you have a player who's blowing up, exploding, having a temper tantrum because you dare suggest he misses a series to go get an x-ray, like that gives you an insight into how difficult sometimes this is. These are just alphas who think they can make anything happen. And Patrick Mahomes couldn't move yeah. at that point. So he is swearing. He's going crazy. And it's it's your football senses start tingling. You're like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. But then like, it's just his voice. His voice. <laughs> he's like, this is, this is, this is, this is bro bleep. This, this is bleeping bleep, man. I'm this good. This is bleeping bleep, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No, this is bleep bleep. <laughs> and then he, he, he takes his helmet and he slams it against the ground. He goes, bleep, yow. And his voice is just so corny. Yeah. So it like takes away from him. That's just his general demeanor. He can't do anything about it. It's just genetics, like a shocking turn of genetics. Oh, it, it is rough. It is rough to, to hear sometimes. But you know what? It's, it's still behind that inspiring, magical play. There's no... You, you watch his highlights and you hear his voice. They don't match, but you know what? It all makes sense when you're when you're winning Super Bowls and MVPs like that guy does. Yeah, uh, Stone. I'm curious. When we come back, Theo, we're going to ask Stone because Stone's the most annoyingly optimistic sports fan I know. He loves individuals. He doesn't have much of a care for teams. He's constantly looking for reasons to to love athletes. It drives me crazy. It flies in the face of any of mine and Theo's sports sensibilities. He's like a unicorn, and it's wildly annoying. Wildly annoying. Wait till my Dylan Brooks Houston Rockets jersey comes in. Oh, who is a sports great you consistently rooted against out of sheer dislike? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Twitter at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. Stone tells us his next. And I'm fearing doing this. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.
From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Uh, Theo, what are your thoughts on the city of Orlando? Oh, cool. It's pretty central and uh, very Disney themed. Yeah. Very Disney centric. It's a it's a beautiful American city. Yeah. And as Stone and I discussed last week, the fourth largest city in the state of Florida. And really? starting September 1st, September 1, mark it on your calendars. You can take the bright line to Orlando. That's right, Orlando service starting September 1st. Go ahead and get yourself. A ticket to the Bright Line to get your backside up to Orlando for the various fun things you can do in Florida's fourth largest city. What are they? Still, what's third? What's third? Miami's number one. Tampa's no, 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 no. Jacksonville's number one. Jacksonville is number yes, one. It's the largest city in the state of Florida. Jacksonville, uh-huh. Jack, like where the Jaguars play. Yep. And wow. then it's Miami, and then it's what? And then it's Tampa. Are we talking landmass or population? Like a population, fourth largest. And Jacksonville is number one, both population and land area. Wow. Jacksonville is significantly land area-wise larger than Miami. I figured that much, but population, yeah. I really would have thought. Yeah. So, wow. again, Orlando has a lot going for it, including Brightline service. GoBrightline.com and the free Brightline app. That's GoBrightline.com and the free Brightline app. Get yourself on that train, head up to Orlando, whether it's a day trip or maybe you're spending a weekend or even a week, make it Brightline, the most stress-free way to get through South Florida and now into Central Florida. No traffic, no stress. I am a huge proponent of the premium seating. Going to see Lionel Messi and Inner Miami? Well, you can take the bright line to the beautiful Fort Lauderdale Station rideshare to drive Pink Stadium and see Lionel Messi, who debuts on Friday. What about the Marlins? They're back from the All-Star break. The home runner train to Miami Central Station. Home runner train. You take the rideshare to Lone Depot Park. You see the Marlins win, and then you get back on the train and head home. Stations in West Palm. Fort Lauderdale, Miami. Quick stops in Boca Raton and Aventura, where a new Dolphins train will debut this football season. Mm. GoBrightline.com, free Brightline app. GoBrightline.com and the free Brightline app. I believe uh, maybe we should check this, Stone. I I, I think it's that we mentioned the top four. Orlando's number four. Yeah. I want to say Fort Lauderdale's five and Hialeah is six. Hialeah is six. Hialeah is is for sure within the top ten in terms of uh, most populated Florida cities. Stone will get some confirmation. Tallahassee's got to be six. Let's see here. Stone looks like he has his information. So we're looking at Jacksonville number one. Mm -hmm. We're looking at Miami number two. Number two. Of course. We are looking at Tampa Tampa. number three. Right. So we were right. Orlando four. I know my Florida. And number five, St. Pete. Oh, St. Pete. St. Pete. Number Pete. six, Hialeah. Hialeah, number six. So more than Fort Lauderdale. I'm Wow. You ready for number seven? Is that, it's got to be Tallahassee. Are you ready for number seven? West Palm Beach? Port St. Lucie. Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, hey, this is uh, whatever this list is. Coming in at number eight, Cape Coral. Number nine, Tallahassee. Maybe not anymore. And number 10, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. There what? it is. Uh, when's that as of? When's that census? Is it on there, or is this just something that Bill, Wikipedia, Bill probably. living in his mom's extra bedroom put together? <laughs> no, this is July 16th, 2023. Okay. Wow. All right. 
Here's what I'll say. I've heard you say the word Hialeah before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard it referenced before. The I most ha- Cuban of Cuban cities in the United States of America. Where is it? Uh, right next to Miami. Oh. Mm-hmm. I and used to live there. In Hialeah. So it's South Florida. Oh, yeah. It's in Miami. Yeah, Why it's, have it's, I never really... It's, it's just west of Miami. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, I got you. It's like, so it's kind of like the Wellington to West Palm Beach of Miami. Except much bigger, yes. Wow. All right. Well, go Hialeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've been we've been discussing sports greats you consistently rooted against out of just sheer dislike. Patrick Ewing is at the top of my list. Peyton Manning is at the top of Theo's list. Uh, Stone, where are you? Pro athlete. You are always pro athlete. You root for individual athletes. You are are positive. You like to cheer people on. You're the antithesis, if you will, of what Theo and I are as sports fans. You don't like to root against anybody. If you were to pick an athlete, though. That you have you have taken great happiness from seeing have issues, professional failures, and it's made you feel a semblance of, of happiness. Who would that be? So I didn't choose an athlete, right? Because oh. you posed it as who's a sports great. Oh, so I went it's with a coach. I went with Bill Belichick in uh, a spot okay. like this. That's a good one. All That's right. a good one. I we like never it. said athlete. We never said athlete. I said great. He's right. So Bill's definitely a sports great. And I think I was a part of the posse who was always waiting for Tom Brady to leave to see the demise of Bill Belichick. It always seemed like everybody who supported Bill could hide behind that Brady shield. Like, hey, mm. no, the, he developed this machine. And I think most importantly for me individually – it went against my style of play, how I wanted to be coached. So that's where it started. But then it came down to a point where I know when Brady leaves, this guy's going to fold. And I think what really set me over the edge was, I think it was almost arrogant to draft Mac Jones yes. and, and think that you could turn Just turn him into Brady. Yeah. I, I, and that was the expectation. Think yep. about it. When that happened, yep. I mean, I think that's why Mac Jones got the, the nod for the Pro Bowl, his rookie year, because he's still living in that, oh, well, the Patriots will be able to develop him. Look, yep. he, he always got the benefit of the doubt yeah. because any positive thing he did, media was able to say, oh, look, Belichick starting the grooming process yep. of getting Mac Jones to that point. Like That's where there is such an inflated view of Mac Jones simply from Tom Brady. Yeah, and I think that's exactly it. And I think once you saw Mac Jones walk through the tunnel on NFL draft night, it was like, yes, it starts right now. The Bill Belichick demise starts right now. And I was always a fan of that. You know, 12 Super Bowl appearances is ridiculous, six rings to go with it. But I was always wanting to see him fail. And I just dislike Bill Belichick, and I still do. And it's clear now that Mac Jones ain't him and Bill Belichick without Brady. You can start having that. Is he him conversation? Especially with the decisions Bill Belichick has been making, not just drafting Mac Jones, but the two clowns he had at co-offensive coordinator last oh, year. I mean, what was that? Joe Judge, Matt Patricia. Yeah, I like, mean, what was that? Um, it, it's been draft after draft, the Cole Strange selection, and like the guys he's had to cut mm-hmm. a year after drafting. Like he has been. I mean, maybe he's just getting old. Maybe they don't he's like get a any off succession. They never get any high end free agent. Ever. Like they just they don't make an impact in the offseason. Slug and miss on DeAndre Hopkins, right. the latest one. It's becoming clear that the Patriot way was Tom Brady's way. Ooh. It's they becoming should, clear. They should rename the street Tom Brady way. Yeah. Brady way. Yeah. I like Brady that. Brady way. Uh, when we come back, we do it every Monday. Over the course of a weekend, a lot of things are said in sports. A lot of things are done in sports. A lot of things occur in sports. And you're just like, what was that dog bleep? Coach Sala, if you could. Um, yeah, it was dog 
It's time for a Dog Bleep Monday. What did you see, hear? What struck you as just abject dog bleep in sports over the weekend? It's a Dog Bleep Monday, and it's next. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at KLV1063. What was the biggest piece of dog bleep you saw or heard in sports over the weekend? 888-760-3776. Twitter at KLV1063. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.